Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. I'm your host here every week, bringing you tips, educations, and updates on home-related matters. Whether you're in the real estate market or if you're looking for uh, ideas about your home, this is a great place to be. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Shoreline Inspections with Reese Jacob and Monica Gass. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. So that means if you're looking for help in a mortgage, if you need to refinance, you want to get a building inspection done, not because you're buying a home, maybe because you want to know how your home is doing. Get a second quote or another quote for your house insurance. And of course, looking for legal advice, not only for your real estate purchase or transaction, but maybe wills, estates, any of those things. Our show partners are fantastic people. They would love to hear from you. I'm your host here every week. I've been selling real estate in Greater Victoria since 1991. I've handled hundreds of transactions in our fair city, over 2,500 in fact. Uh, I'm proud to be ranked as one of the top REMAX agents in Western Canada, and I'd be happy to help you as well too. So if you need another opinion or are thinking about buying or selling your home, give me a call. I'd be happy to chat. You can find my contact information and the rest of the home, whole home show team members contact information on the cfax1070.com website. Look under shows. There you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony, Joe, everything is there. Um, today, our guest is one of our show partners at the Sickle Law Group, lawyer Gurpreet Randawa. We'll be discussing legal services, um, changes in the law as a result of COVID-19, along with general real estate information uh, for not only first-time buyers, but for sellers as well, too. Maybe talk about what the heck a land title uh, search is, uh, what are covenants, what are some of these other things, and the legalese that we see on real estate documents. Gurpreet's a great person to talk to. She'll make it easy uh, for us. Uh, we always start with a listener story or question, and if you have one, give us a call. The number is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Leave a message, please. Make sure to leave your name and number, too, just in case we need to call you back. Or you can find us online again, cfax1070.com, or my website, the Prime Real Estate Team, primeteam.ca, and we'll bring it up in the air on a future episode. Uh, today, I want to talk about new home construction because there's been a fair amount recently. Of course, the real estate market has, uh, I think, exploded is a fair word to say. Uh, COVID slowed us down for a couple of months. All of a sudden, now it is the market is back with um, uh, uh, fury. It's just it's amazing what's going on out there. We've heard cases in other marketplaces, too, where realtors are having their biggest summer they've ever had in their careers. Uh, we are busy, too. There's no question. Um, we're always busy though, mind you, but uh, it's, it's a busy time for sure, to be sure. One of the things that people, that uh, buyers are always, of course, interested in is new home construction, whether it's a home or it's a condo or pre-sale. Now, we touched on buying pre-sale condos, I recall, a little while ago, but I want to bring it up again right now because 
it's a hard thing to grasp. Buying a condo, buying probably or possibly your biggest investment without it actually physically being there. Like it's one thing to go through an open house, which by the way, we're not really doing under COVID right now. You can do these virtually. Realtors are doing virtual open houses. I'm really enjoying doing those actually. They're, they're fun. But uh, you need to physically go through a property to get a sense of the size and the feel and all of the attributes of the home. How does somebody do that when the building doesn't even exist, when it's under, not even construction has started yet and the building won't be done for, say, two years? Why would somebody do that? Well, um, this is the magic of pre-sales. So developers, of course, uh, you might be wondering why they do it. Why don't they wait until the building is finished until they start selling? Well, there's a few reasons. The biggest one normally is the fact that the developer has obligations to their lender. So the bank who's providing financing for the development will often have a requirement that they have a number of pre-sales done before the development is actually given the final green light. So that's the reason why pre-sales are so important for developers. That's why they put together these beautiful uh, show uh, homes or show offices, all these beautiful materials. They have three-dimensional walkthroughs. The resolution and the presentation of these things nowadays are so good, it's almost like walking into the unit, especially if you're looking on your big screen uh, TV from home. So pre-sales are a very important part for developer. The appeal to a buyer is the fact that they're going to be able to choose the unit that they want. So if you're looking at a specific view, specific elevation, if you want the penthouse, if you want uh, you know, a two-bedroom with a parking stall, because sometimes they don't come with parking nowadays, the advantage is to be early on in the process in a pre-sale. That's the reason why pre-sales are important. Because you see, if you wait until the building is done, you're left with the leftovers. There may not be, actually there won't be generally, the uh, prime units left. There's a lot of cases where these newer downtown buildings that don't have parking stalls for all of the units, they're left with only the bachelors or the studio units that have no parking. So if parking was important to you, you should really have gotten in early on uh, at the ground, at the, uh, I was gonna say ground level. That's a bad term to use when talking about condos. Um, get in early, get in early uh, and make that commitment. Um, so what I do want to touch on really quick in the time I have uh, left here right now is what are, uh, what are the, uh, what are the controls in place or the safeties in place when something is being built? Most notably, if you're buying a new house for my development, cause I'm undergoing that right now. Uh, there's a couple of things that we as the real estate professionals will typically include in a contract of purchase and sale. And they have to do with, uh, the new home warranty program. We want to make sure that the uh, home warranty is in place. We want to make sure that the occupancy certificate is delivered on time for the completion date. We want to make sure that the buyer has the opportunity to do a deficiency walkthrough with the developer before completion date. That is a requirement of home warranty, by the way. Uh, and other things that we talk about too are things like builders lean holdbacks. Uh, you know, there's often a concern, not not often, but there can be a concern about trades not being paid. And what happens if, for instance, the electrical or plumber, electrician or the plumber do their work and the builder doesn't pay them, they might slap a lien on the title. We'll talk about titles later with Capreet. 
But if they slap a lien on the title, does that mean that the new owner is going to have to deal with that? So that's a concern. So there are controls or mechanisms in place called uh, lien holdbacks. This is something that you should be asking your real estate professional, most definitely your lawyer about uh, to ensure that these things are in place so that you're not going to inherit, uh, inherit things like a, a builder's lien or, or things like that. So there's a lot to know about buying new. Uh, the nice thing is that the British Columbia Real Estate uh, Association and the uh, Real Estate Council of British Columbia have developed a number of standard clauses that have all been approved through the Law Society when it comes um, to pretty well all things, including new home uh, construction purchases and things like that. Always handy having an agent who has a lot of experience in these things too. So you're going to want to make sure that you uh, get a hold of a good, reputable agent that's been around for a long time because they can navigate you through these hurdles and introduce you to the right legal professional as well, too, like the one we're going to be speaking to after the break. Of course, Gurpreet Randawa is one of the partners, uh, one of the principals at the Sicko Law Group, a great person to have on our program. Uh, she is a regular here. We have her on a regular basis. Always great. Uh, always great having her. Uh, if you, by the way, have something you want to share with us, always give us a call, 250-414-6540, uh, or just find us, cfax1070.com, or find me at the Prime Real Estate Team. And as a reminder, we podcast all of our episodes. If you're an iTunes listener uh, or uh, go on Google Play, you can listen to all of our episodes through the years. So many topics. Uh, you can actually search uh, on uh, um, the podcast, and all of the content is there. Uh, to your heart's desire, uh, any question you have about real estate. We need to, take a, need to take a quick break here now. In a moment, we'll be joined by Gurpreet Randella, Sitka, uh, Sitka Law Group Principal. Back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our guest today is one of our show partners, uh, Sitka Law Group, and we have with us Gurpreet Randella. Gurpreet, great seeing you here, uh, as always. Thanks, Tony. It's great to see you as well. This is so, a new norm. <laughs> it is. Um, actually, we've done a lot of these Zoom, uh, not only radio, but video uh, uh, meetings here for our, uh, our listeners on CFAX. Uh, of course, as a reminder to everyone again, uh, if you'd like to see our episodes, you can visit us on YouTube or on Facebook. Just look up the Prime Real Estate team. Uh, our episodes are there. Uh, what's happening out there in the world of Victoria Law, Gurpreet? What's happening? Uh, a lot's happening. I'm finding real estate slowed down for a bit in March. Uh, there was a lot of uncertainty as to what was going to happen with COVID, um, but things have picked right back up, which I wasn't expecting. Yes. Uh, it's come back rather furious too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The stats came back. You know, uh, we talked about this, or I talked about this earlier. Stats came back in the month of July and it is, I looked at the graph. So for the 30 years that the real estate board has been keeping records. So what is that? Like 300 and, you know, 360 months, right? Mm -hmm. uh, July, 2020 was in the top 10. Wow. In number of sales. Yeah. Uh, it's just surprising. And, you know, you just mentioned uh, March, April was quiet. We had 250 sales uh, okay. one month, which it was, was a low, but now we're in the 900 and, you know, 50s it's uh, it's just remarkable and and all of us are seeing that i mean we're busy uh you guys of course too you end up taking care of things just as the transfer happened but not only that actually this is a great way to start my conversation with you right now um 
it's always a good thing for someone who's buying a property to uh, have early conversations with their lawyer, right? Absolutely. That's a question I get quite often is when, when do I need to get you involved? And I say the earlier, the better. Um, while you're still conducting your due diligence, while the contract is still conditional. Yeah, because if they don't and they find something later, it's kind of too late, right? Exactly. As soon as you lift conditions, it's a firm and binding contract, which means I probably can't get you out. Yeah. Well, yeah. one of the things, for instance, that, that uh, I feel is very important because we do it whenever we have somebody who wants to buy a property, um, we send, for instance, the title to mm -hmm. their lawyer for a review. Now, when it comes to things like uh, things registered on title, covenants, rest mm -hmm. uh, restrictions, mm -hmm. um, easements, mm -hmm. uh, all that, this is language that not only consumers don't understand because they don't see it on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Even the real estate community, I mean, it's, that's not our wheelhouse, right? Yeah. How do you guys keep on top of all this stuff? Because it's a different language. It's yeah. a totally different language, right? Yeah, you're right. Um, a law is generally a totally different language and lawyers for the most part are trained in understanding it. So a common uh, condition that you'll add to a contract is lawyer's review of title. And so if you add that, you can then send the title to your lawyer. So your lawyer can review the covenants that are on there, the easements that are on there, the statutory rights that are on there, because those are going to stay on title. Mm -hmm. And a buyer assumes the title subject to those charges. So it is very important to know what they are. They may not be as relevant with condos, um, but with detached homes, you want to know where these rights of way are located because if you do ever want to make improvements down the road, place a shed in your yard, you cannot obstruct these areas. So very, very important to know what they are and where they run. Well, I have a story uh, that I could tell and it involved uh, clients who, who, it was important for them to build an in-ground swimming pool. Mm -hmm. uh, this was, oh my goodness. I'm going to say it was for me, it was like 15 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago. Uh, and I had sold their home. They uh, found a property. It was beautiful. It had the yard, you know, looking out the back of the house. It was perfect. Uh, I think it was one of these situations, not necessarily a bidding war, but they had to act on it very quickly. Mm -hmm. And they even, I remember they even said, they said, you know, maybe we don't need to have a title review. This is perfect. The, the swimming pool is going to be like right here or whatever. And they went to their, I had them send the title to the lawyer and the lawyer found out that there was a pipe, uh, mm -hmm. some sort of easement. There was a water pipe that you would never expect to be there because it was like just a grassy field, but it was yeah. a municipal thing and they couldn't build their mm -hmm. swimming pool, which was the primary reason why they were buying. Uh, and lawyer saved the day. Yep. Yeah, right. exactly. And that's common. That comes up quite a bit. Um, so if it is very important for you to have full access to the property and to the land, very important to ensure that you review title. All right. So from the mindset of a buyer who's mm -hmm. interested in looking at something, and of course we have access to the title uh, mm -hmm. to the property. Um, what, tell the listeners, what is the title? Yeah. yeah. So in BC, whenever you purchase property, you're issued title. Title is essentially proof of ownership. Um, and when you acquire title, uh, you acquire title subject to non-financial charges. And when, whenever we say non-financial charges, we're referring to these things like the covenants, the rights of way, the easements. Um, so it's very important to review those because those are going to continue to apply. Things like financial charges, mortgage, assignment of rent, judgments, liens, a seller has a legal obligation to remove those as part of the closing process. Mm -hmm. So we're not as concerned with those, but very, very important to review non-financial charges. 
Okay. And examples, um, a statutory right of way, usually in favor of hydro. Hydro has their works running somewhere on the property. Um, so you want to know where those are. Um, easements, maybe there's a shared driveway. Maybe a neighbor has the right to access a certain portion of your property. Um, you want to know where, where that is, uh, the boundaries of that. Um, sometimes you also see plans registered against title. And a common misconception is the plan will show me the property boundaries. That's okay. not true. If a buyer wants to know the true boundaries of the property, it's important to have a survey certificate, yeah. which isn't always available. A seller does not have an obligation to provide that to buyers. Yeah. So the site um, survey is the diagram of the house as it sits on the property prepared by a surveyor. Exactly. Uh, who, by the way, may or may not physically actually view the property to do that. We should actually get a surveyor on the show one of these days to talk about how they get that done. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, so you're talking about identifying the, the, um, the, the physical barriers of the property. And again, it's the language. It's amazing because it's especially with the older ones, it's kind of like the southwest uh, <laughs> three meter boundary perpendicular, perpendicular. to a lot. Yeah. I struggle with those as well. Oh, okay. They can make it easier, you know. <laughs> they, and they are now. Now they generally attach a plan to the description yes. and the boundaries are outlined in black. Yeah. Um, and there's also this GIS system, which yeah. um, sometimes shows where these areas are running on a property as well from a satellite uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so there's so many more resources now, but you're right. There are still some very old titles that um, do describe uh, the boundaries in that manner. Um, so you almost always need to get somebody involved who understands the language to be able to interpret where they're located. The information uh, that we have at our finger trips nowadays is just amazing. You just mentioned the GIS. That is the geographic information system that uh, not only municipalities, but for instance, the CRD has. Uh, if uh, if a listener hasn't uh, checked that out, go online. Uh, for instance, if you live in the city of Victoria, just Google Victoria GIS map, and it's amazing what's mm -hmm. there. You can pull up an address. You can pull up. Uh, you can actually even have a look at permits on title. Yeah. Um, all of those things that we used to have to go down to the municipal mm -hmm. hall or city hall uh, to go find out. Uh, and it's because this is all it's all public data, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. everybody has access to the system. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So and I, we're going to get to this after the break, you know, talking about registering title and all that stuff, but getting back mm -hmm. to the title itself, mm -hmm. um, because you see these things, you see who the owner is, you see yeah. what the, you know, what the yeah. mortgage holder is. You don't know how much it is. That's an, no. yeah. So, um, yeah, whenever you see, we call it a title search, a title search allows you to see who the current owner is. Um, when they became the owner, you can track the history of ownership. Um, it shows a legal description of property. So um, you essentially have two addresses. When you purchase property, you have your civic mailing address, let's say Shelburne Street. That's the address that you memorize. And then there's also a legal description on title. There's a nine digit property. Which is harder to memorize. Yes. Harder to memorize and you don't have to memorize it at all. Yeah. The only place you really see it is on your property assessment every year. Yeah. Um, but if you ever wonder where that number comes from, it's it's from title. It's associated with your property. So you're talking about the, the PID, the property identifier, right? Yeah. So that's the 000-123-599, whatever exactly. it is. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's associated with each individual property as well. Yeah. Um, oh, hold on, Gurpreet. Actually, yeah. one, one of the things that's really important uh, is the confirmation. I mean, one of the things you guys do is to confirm that it's the right address because there have been cases yeah. where people have conveyed the wrong 
address, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think the confusion arises because on title, you'll see the owner's name, but the civic address you see below their name isn't always associated with a property. So for example, if you own a rental property, you want your mailing address to appear below your name, not the address of the rental property. Oh, you know, there's actually, hold on a sec. There's so much more detail we have to get into, but we do, we do need to take a break here, right? So we'll yeah. continue our conversation about uh, the title searches in a moment. We have Gurpreet Randall from the Sitka Law Group with us. Uh, we're going to take a quick, quick break back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there. You're listening to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker, with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellas, Insurance Advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Shoreline Inspections with Reese Jacob and Monica Gass. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. As a reminder, you can find their, their contact information by visiting cfax1070.com. Look under shows. There you'll find us, The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe. All of their contact information is there, including my own. Or you can reach out to me. I'd be happy to introduce you to our very knowledgeable group of specialists. I have with us today one of our show partners, Gurpreet Randawa. She's a partner at the Sitka Law Group. Talking about lawyer and legal stuff. Gurpreet, again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is a real treat, you know. I mean, for most listeners, for most people, they don't, uh, you know, they don't have access to somebody in the law profession. They're, you know, they're afraid to call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I mean, hey, listen, legal advice is valuable, so um, uh, lawyers rightly charge for yeah. their advice. Uh, although our listeners get to get it sort of free from you when they're uh, when you're on our program here. Of course, we're not asking pointed questions, right? This is all just a, 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 an overview of the real estate transaction, but you're always such a great wealth of knowledge. Um, oh. It's great having you here. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. We were talking about titles just before we took a break there. Uh, and I, I want to wrap up the whole conversation about land titles. So again, where we went to was for a buyer, it's important for them to know, you said it is the... Um, so the document that confirms the ownership of the property and other physical or financial uh, encumbrances on it, right? Yeah, exactly. How does a buyer know that it's correct? Like if, if, if a buyer was buying a property and was a little skeptical, you know, they, you know, could they be, well, you know, is there maybe another mortgage on there? Is there a, you know, could there be another, I heard there was an easement down the back. How come it's not reflected here on the title? Like what, how, how accurate is it? Um, it's pretty accurate. I, I've never had a situation where something that should have been on title wasn't on title. I haven't come across that myself. And remember, with financial charges, lawyers deal with removing all those. So I actually have to pull title a couple times before I transfer ownership to a buyer, yeah. right before the transfer and right after. Because so things I- can happen leading up to that, right? Exactly. And I'm going to know if anything further was registered. And then the seller's lawyer is on an undertaking, meaning they must uh, remove those financial charges. Yeah. So so with respect to financial charges, the mortgages, um, excuse me, liens, judgments, lawyers will deal with removing those. Yeah, that, there is a clause in the standard contract of purchase and sale that does state that when the title is conveyed, it will be free and clear, clear of all um, financial, financial encumbrances, right? 
Yeah. I always also suggest that you attach a copy of the title to the contract. Yeah. If you want to be certain, no other covenants or easements are going to be registered. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that, title you're acquiring. Yeah, I think that's a policy of many real estate brokerages too. It is for ours as well. We need to have a copy of the title, which is initialed by all parties. Yes, I recommend um, that. Yeah, yeah. But you just brought up a really important point too, because sometimes that title search was pulled like six months ago when the listing was new, and then um, the the sale happens, but it doesn't transfer for another three months. So there could be like a span of time, and there can be a lot of things that could change, and that's why you guys – check the title up to the very end, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And um, the, the, what I mentioned a moment ago about a buyer wondering, you know, is it accurate? I heard about an easement uh, on the property. I would say that if that was true, then for instance, if it was hydro or, or, you know, PC tell those old ones that we see or whatever, um, the corporation would have wanted that to be on title. Yeah. Right? I, I've seen an instance actually where um, I had a client and it was not registered against their title. I believe it was TELUS and TELUS actually had to give them some monetary compensation yeah. in exchange for taking a right of way on the property. Yeah. 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 So I've, I've, I've heard of that too. And um, I, I think it's important for people to know that the, the utility companies have these, have this access because um, there are lines that run across your property, um, you know, not necessarily surfacing, surfacing you, but maybe servicing your neighbor. Uh, and sometimes there need to be repairs. I think as a homeowner, if you have a problem with hydro, for instance, you're going to want hydro to be able to have access to your neighbor's property to fix a problem you're having, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, um, when it comes to transferring the title, so we're moving now talking about a, a, a transaction itself. Uh, mm -hmm. on closing date. So fast forward, sale has happened. Uh, today is closing date. Let's just say, by the way, it's always on a business day. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so when closing happens, what's the mechanics? So um, the people have already seen, cause you've already prepared the documents a couple of days in advance yeah. and your clients have seen you and signed the document, but on closing day, mm -hmm. how does that transfer get titled? Like physically? There's a lot that happens behind the scenes. Okay. So I generally meet with my clients a few days before closing, which actually comes as a shock to a lot of clients um, because it does seem to be very last minute, um, <laughs> but that's very common in real estate transactions. We actually don't start to receive documents um, from your lenders, uh, from the real estate brokerages until a few weeks before closing. Yeah. And then we actually finalize everything for signing a few days before closing. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. Thanks for bringing it up because we, we have clients every once in a while that say, I talked to my lawyer and he said that he hasn't gotten the documents from you yet. And we're like, but the sale isn't closing for two months. <laughs> yeah. They can't do anything, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, very common for us to receive documents just a few weeks before closing. Yes. Um, and then meeting with your lawyer a few days before closing, also very, very common. Uh, I typically only meet with clients a week or two before closing if, if a client has travel plans um, and we have to make it work, but it's rare. So it's usually a few days before closing. We review all the closing documents. So with a buyer, we, we reviewed the title again. Um, we review mortgage instructions and mortgage documents, a statement of adjustments, um, sign everything. And then on the day of closing, there's several steps that occur actually. Um, so it can get very complicated. We lawyers typically um, 
deal with the real estate transaction on undertakings. Um, and that's essentially a legal obligation to fulfill uh, certain requirements. So for example, a seller doesn't want to transfer title until their lawyer has money. Yeah. However, a buyer who's obtaining mortgage financing, the lender's not going to send the buyer's lawyer money until title's transferred. Oh, it's a catch-22. Exactly. Okay. Um, so the uh, Canadian Bar Association's come up with undertakings to allow all this to happen. Uh -huh. so for example, as a buyer's lawyer, I agree that I'm going to accept these transfer documents from a seller's lawyer, but I will not register until I know I'm going to get mortgage financing. I know that my buyer satisfied all conditions for funding and the lenders told me, yep, we're good to fund. And I have my client's down payment, uh -huh. the excess amount required to complete. When I'm satisfied that I've fulfilled those two requirements, I can register the transfer, register the mortgage, and then send funds to the seller's lawyer. Uh -huh. um, so I'll often have clients, you know, don't send my transfer documents until we have money. Um, but unfortunately, these are the steps that take place and undertakings protect all parties. Yeah. Actually, again, that's, this is something that's pre-written in the standard contract of purchase and sale uh, in a couple of clauses there. But the, yeah, the catch 22 exists. Uh, again, for our listeners, if you're a seller and you're selling, you don't want to give your title until you get the money, right? But if you're a buyer, you don't want to give your money until you get the title. And Capri just uh, explained that perfectly uh, under this whole undertaking thing. Yeah. Exactly. So there is a process in place. Uh, parties don't need to worry. Um, lawyers are on undertakings. Um, lawyers must satisfy undertakings and we can be reported to the law society and potentially uh, penalized if we fail to fulfill our undertakings. Yeah. And, and that, that is really, really serious stuff, right? Very serious. Uh, yeah. Okay. We're talking with Gurpreet Randawa. She's a partner at the Sitka Law Group. Uh, we need to take another break, Gurpreet, but uh, when people need to reach you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, best way is by phone, 778-265-2677, uh, um, or email, and all of our lawyers' email addresses are located on our website. Yeah, sitkalaw.ca, right? Sitkalaw.ca, exactly. And of course, uh, the listeners can find your contact information always on our page on the CFAX 1070 website. Uh, just look under shows, the whole home show, we're there. And by the way, if you're a podcast listener, we do podcast all of our episodes on iTunes or Google Play. We're at episode 170 already. Yeah, we've been around for a while. Lots of great stuff. Lots of great stuff. Listen, we need to take uh, one more break. Back in just a This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show. We're having a conversation today with lawyer Gurpreet Randawa. She's at the Sitka Law Group, one of our show partners. Uh, and it's always great having you on, Gurpreet. We're talking um, just now about titles and registration and what happens on closing date. Uh, like you said, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, wheels in motion, right? There's a lot of steps. Um, there's a lot of steps that clients often aren't aware of. They're what we just talked about, what happens on the closing day, but even leading up to it. As a buyer, your lawyer has to wait for mortgage instructions. We have to obtain insurance binders to confirm that properties are insured. Mm -hmm. um, we have to obtain title insurance if your lender requires it. So there's a lot of steps that have to take place in order to lead up to and be able to complete on the closing date. Um, so it's very, very important to give your lawyer notice that you have a transaction that's going to complete. We ask for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, so we have enough time to pull it all together, but I have had clients that have um, told me a day or two in advance of closing um, and we have, have um, made it work, but it's not ideal. 
Yeah, I actually the my quickest in 30 years was a mobile home transaction and it happened in a day. But you know what? I, I kind of consider that more like a, a like a car registration, you know, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um but actually great thing to bring up though, timeline wise, because you had mentioned before that you don't get the mortgage instructions and stuff uh, for days in advance. So really at a minimum, uh, a transaction needs uh, a good full week or maybe even two weeks to be able to, to, to properly close, right? We generally ask for five days, but as I said, I've had instances where clients had difficulty getting a mortgage and sometimes I don't get mortgage instructions till a day or two before closing. Mm -hmm. There's always a risk in those situations that a transaction may not complete in time, we'll do our best to complete. But as I said, we have to order insurance binders, title insurance. So there's a lot of steps that uh, that have to occur and take place in order to bring bring this together. So we ask for five days if possible. We're able to complete sooner if necessary, but not ideal. Yeah, I I wish I could articulate to listeners how how much activity actually happens because. Um, we're part of that picture too, because oftentimes your conveyancers, your office will contact us looking for things and asking questions. And there's a lot of moving pieces. It's the reason why we're here. Every once in a while, people say to us, do we need a a lawyer or notary? You know, can I do that myself? Um, and I, and I have to tell you, this is a shout out to you guys in your profession here. The cost of, of conveyancing a real estate transfer in my 30 years has not actually changed. Like for the amount of work that you guys do, um, it's actually really inexpensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, We generally for uh, real estate transactions charge a flat fee. Um, So there's a lot, so the clients know exactly what they're paying up front. And actually if I can, I wanna take a moment to talk about fees as well. Okay. Um, Because it's very, very common for uh, buyers and sellers to call around to ask for quotes. Yeah. Uh, very common. And I always recommend that whenever you all call, are calling around to ask for quotes, you ask for, for fees, taxes, and disbursements. Yeah. So, um, so disbursements on any real estate transaction are essentially a lawyer notary's out of pocket expenses. Uh-huh. So any things like the title search, cause you got to you pay for the title search, right? Yeah, we have to pay for title searches. We have to pay land title registration fees to yeah. transfer title and register mortgage. Yeah. Um, and, and, Every business quotes a little bit differently, but I always, and the way that I quote is to essentially include fees, taxes, and disbursements yep. so clients know exactly what to expect. Yeah. If, if I can make a recommendation to our listeners, when you are trying to find a, uh, a solicitor to do your real estate conveyance, uh, I get that because I've heard, I've heard that too of people calling around, you know, price shopping. Yeah. Right. It's like going to Best Buy and, you know, price shopping for an electronic or something. Don't do that. You know, the best way to do it is to get a recommendation or an introduction from a friend or family member or your real estate agent or your mortgage broker or whoever, somebody who is a known source. Um, because, you know, there's an old saying, sometimes you get what you pay for, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it is, I, I recommend that as well. Clients will often ask, should I use a lawyer? Should I use a notary? Both can process real estate transactions. In my opinion, it really does come down to fit. Yeah. Um, so, so work with somebody who you feel is going to be a good fit, who is knowledgeable because yeah. um, prices are generally comparable. Yeah. I, people aren't going to find that, uh, that there's a doubling of costs or anything. It's all within the same realm. And you know how do you, how do you choose the difference between a hundred bucks or something, right? 
um, you really got to make sure that fit is so important and in all things, this is a big deal, just like you said a, a moment ago, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is, again, the biggest purchase you're going to make in your life. So yep. you really want to work with somebody you're comfortable with, somebody who you feel is going to be able to walk you through the process and take their time with you. Yeah. Because the other thing too is uh, with the real estate transaction is often the start of some other steps, uh, which the which the lawyer might want to get involved in, uh, including things like creating a will between yeah. people, right? Uh, so if you get that right fit and you feel like Rapreet's the right person, then you can ask her to do all that stuff, the estate planning and all that, right? Yeah, exactly. And we do have quite a few conversations when talking about real estate. A will is a, is, a, is a common one just because now you have this asset. You want to have control over how it's dispersed. But also if we're purchasing with other owners, we want to talk about co-ownership agreements. Yeah. Um, we want to talk about how titles to be registered to protect all parties. Um, so if you're working with somebody who is knowledgeable in the area, they'll be able to walk you through all of those additional considerations as well. Okay. All right. Um, I, I want to touch on how things are happening under COVID time. We, cause we had you on months ago while this was all going down. A big question that we had was how the heck are people, uh, meeting with their lawyers and signing documents? Mm -hmm. Um, and there were some changes that happened. So are, are you still conducting business this way? Explain what you, what we're doing. Yeah, so for the most part, we were generally still meeting clients for real estate transactions. Um, so a lawyer essentially has an obligation to satisfy themselves that their client is who they say they are. So there's the ID verification requirement. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the signing of real estate documents. And typically, real estate documents need to be signed in the presence of a lawyer or notary, the physical presence of a lawyer. Yeah, that's the point of the witness, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so clients will say, well, I docu-signed my contract um, and I still don't understand why we can docu-sign contracts, but you still have to meet with me in person um, to sign. But unfortunately, yes, you still do need to meet with your lawyer or notary. Um, however, during the pandemic, the Law Society came up with some additional guidelines um, because people did need to self-isolate or self-quarantine for health reasons. Yeah. So um, there are some additional guidelines for assigning documents by video conference oh. if uh, the client is not able to be present before us due to the pandemic. So they're in self-isolation or self-quarantine. Okay. Um, so we still have an obligation to satisfy ourselves of the client's identity. And we can only satisfy ourselves of the client's identity by video if the client's in Canada. Okay. Um, and then if we're comfortable with that, we can essentially meet with our client to sign via video. So I can essentially be in your electronic presence. Oh. You still have to physically print the documents and they do have to physically watch you sign them. Yep. You can't sign by DocuSign. Um, but if you're not able to come see me due to the pandemic, we can actually uh, sign by video. So for instance, for anyone who's watching the, our video right now, so it's, it would be like getting a piece of paper and having me sign it and you watching the signature, yeah. right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I ask you a few questions like, are you comfortable signing in this manner? Yeah. Is there anybody else in the room with you? I've already verified your identity. Um, and then I, we actually have to have the same piece of paper in front of us. Yeah. So if you're signing your mortgage, I have to have the mortgage, you have to have the mortgage, and I need to watch you sign it. Okay. Now, how are we handling transfer of money now then? Because oftentimes people would, people would uh, bring... Uh, well, in the old days, anyways, they bring a check in, right, or bank draft or, or whatever. Uh, how is that happening now? So um, we generally, in those circumstances, will coordinate the transfer of funds with the client's banker. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so our office has trust accounts at most institutions. So for example, you have your money's coming from RBC. You can send me your banker's contact information and I can coordinate the transfer with them. Oh, so we, uh, yeah, and we're talking, we're not just talking about the mortgage here. We're talking about the balance of my down payment, for instance. Exactly. The mortgage funds will come directly from the lender, but your yeah. down payment, you typically yeah. bring, bring in a bank draft. That's the preferred method. Okay. Um, but if that's not possible, then we can coordinate a direct transfer yeah. um, with, with a client's banker. Oh, the joys of electronic uh, transferring nowadays. Huh? Yeah, it's becoming very easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk about a seller though. So when a seller sells, for instance, a, a revenue property, and of course, today's the closing date. It's a big deal. Oh my goodness, when do I get my money is, is always their question, right? Absolutely. So um, how are you handling that? Because it's not like you could, it's not like they can run down and pick up a check necessarily, right? Most, most clients actually don't come down to pick up a check. Most clients will give me their account information and I'll send a courier to deposit okay. the funds into your account. Okay. Um, with COVID, unfortunately, banking hours changed dramatically. And yes. Branches closed. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we did see sometimes a day delay, a two-day delay, but you don't see a, a lawyer holding your funds for weeks. So okay. as a seller, you'll typically see the funds in your account the day of closing or the following business day. So is that something that can't be done electronically? Like, can I, could I give you my account number and could you just throw that money in, in my account electronically? No, unfortunately, the Law Society does not permit um, oh. uh, to do that, okay. especially that amount. Um, yeah. So we do need to go to the bank um, to deposit the funds into a client's account. Okay. You know what? I just learned something because I didn't, I, I mean, I was just under this impression that, oh, you can just like immediately go through because we had a case a couple of weeks ago where the exact same situation, our client is up in Nanaimo, um, closing here in town here relying on, you know, not, she actually not relying on the funds, but she just wanted to get it done. Mm-hmm. And she's, and she knew that the transfer happened. We got registration. We know that everything was done and she's like, where's my money? Yeah. Right. Um, and then found out that it was a courier situation. I'm like, wow, that seems kind of old school. Yeah. And even between law firms, lawyers don't direct deposit to each other's accounts. We send our check our trust check by courier to the other law firm's a bank and yeah. physically deposit. Um, so uh, with these transactions, the legal obligation is to deposit to a lawyer's trust account mm-hmm. by five o'clock on the closing date. Mm-hmm. And a lot of um, sellers aren't, are, aren't aware of that. They think it has to come to my account. Otherwise they're in breach. No, it has to be deposited to your lawyer's trust account by five o'clock on the closing date. And if it's earlier in the day, your lawyer will have enough time to send a courier to deposit to your account. Mm-hmm. However, if it's later in the day, you might not see the funds in your account till the following business day. Okay. So the finish line is the funds in the lawyer's office by five o'clock on, uh, on business day. And you know, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't clearly uh, explained enough um, right. um, that it could take a day or two earlier, but it's done. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, you're right, it is very important for a lawyer to communicate that to clients, to manage those expectations, because a lot of sellers don't know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, Griffey, great having you on, as always. I always learn something, you see? And that's the reason why we, we do this, and I hope our listeners did too. Uh, again, if people need to reach you at the Sika Law Group, best way to do that? Uh, phone, 778-265-2677, or email through our website, sikkalaw.ca. Yeah, and you guys have lots of great resources on the website as well, too. And people see your um, – I, I, I was behind a bus a little while ago when I saw the Sitka Law Group uh, uh, sign there. 
We're really in your face. <laughs> you, yeah, you guys do a great job. Thanks for coming. Thanks for, of course, being part of our program and our show. Uh, always great having you here. Thanks, Tony. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, and to the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week. <laughs>